This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iwake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Watersports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Once again, we're coming at you from sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. For those of you not familiar with me or my work, a little bit about myself. My first time on a wakeboard was 1992. The movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off was based off of my hometown just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I love karaoke. But most importantly, for the last decade now, I've been the voice for professional wakeboarding. This audio podcast is brought to you twice monthly, for free, on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes or at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrose, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. One more way to support, please subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes and be sure to rate and review the show. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I'm quite excited for you all to hear today's interview. Longtime wakeboard pro Keith Lidberg sits down to talk about his career. Like myself, Keith grew up in the Midwest and made his move to the Sunshine State in the early 2000s. He's competed and even won some of the sport's top events. Keith is a super versatile athlete and has mastered both boat and cable. He's had some up and downs over the years, and about two years ago, he almost hung up competitive riding completely. Well, he's back on the water and has some major goals for 2015. So sit back and relax as we journey into the world of the squid, Keith Lidberg. But first, let's hear from one of our sponsors. GoPuck is a mountable, compact, durable, and portable rapid charging battery. GoPuck allows you to stay connected, capture priceless moments, and enjoy mobile freedom. Check out their website, gopuck.com. Be sure to use my promo code MANO2015, M-A-N-O-2015, and you'll get an extra 10% off your entire order. Good to have longtime pro veteran Keith Lidberg with me on the Golden Mike Podcast. What's new, Keith? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked to have you out here today. We're we're gonna get deep into the brain of of <laughs> Keith Lidberg. Careful, and, careful. How long have you been riding pro? 
Uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there that knows better than I do, but um, I officially maybe since 2001. Um, I think it's debatable when you can call yourself a pro. I know that 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 uh, conversation has been going on um, in our circles for a long time, but you know, officially, I think competing my first pro event was 2000, 2001. Now, I want to knock this out early. Throughout your career, you've competed, obviously, on the highest levels in both boat and cable. Contest-wise, what are some of your biggest accomplishments? You know, I think the one of the biggest years I had was 2006, I think, or was it 2004? Jeez, I don't know. Um, I had a good showing at a boat nationals in, I think it was... Um, uh, Indiana or Illinois back then. I can't remember. Um, so that was, that was kind of my big first event where like I made the finals. I was on the dock with like all the guys, all the dudes, you know, Parks Bonifay. I think Ruck was, you know, winning tours back then. Um, I only ever did really well behind the Nautique because that's all I rode back then. Wakes were so, uh, so different between a Mastercraft and Nautique and Malibu. So, I mean, you rode, I rode one boat. I only rode at one place. So I'd only really ever performed on behind that one wake. But, um, so that was a big, big moment that kind of kicked me into the, um, uh, spotlight a little bit. But, uh, I think the biggest accomplishment would have been like three years in a row. I won the rail contest at wake stock, which was like in my day, that event was just out of control. Awesome. Is that wake stock Canada or Can wake? Okay. Yeah. Wake stock Canada. Yeah. So, um, that was one, you know, I'd seen video of parks, you know, riding down, doing these rail hits, stopping, you know, and having a beer with, with people out of, like that are just 50 people deep, um, you know, the whole length of your run. And I was like, I, I got to go to this thing. So, so yeah, that was probably the biggest accomplishment. And then I've had plenty of others, you know, since then, but those are the most memorable ones. How did you discover wakeboarding and like, when did you actually first start riding a wakeboard? I am from Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. Yourself, you're up from, from up that way, Wisconsin. So you're not too far away. Uh, we spent a lot of time up our weekends up at the cabin on the lake. Um, we had a place way up close to Canada and we would go up there and uh, I don't know who it was, but we... We're out in the boat. We used to kneeboard and all that stuff. Um, my dad taught me to uh, barefoot when I was 12. And that year, um, somebody had a scurfer. And I went out on that, and I sucked at it, of course. I had no idea, like, how to ride sideways or what it was. And, you know, it wasn't even, like, that big of an experience. It wasn't until maybe a summer later I was, you know, wakeboarding was on ESPN. I think I remember watching that on the big screen we had up there and seeing um, – this young guy at Parks hitting like a kicker. I don't remember what it was. He's doing like this whirly bird. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's that? And then I got one of those uh, Overton's or Bart's catalogs in the mail and started looking through it. And I saw a wakeboard and um, yeah, I, I just, I was like, I have to have a wakeboard. So I worked scooping ice cream, um, uh, scooping dead bait at the end of the day at our country store. And, and um cleaning fish so I could buy a wakeboard <laughs> and that's how I got started. So I think, think it was 13. So what am I now? 34. I was a little over 20 years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it sounds like it was kind of a family thing for you guys. So do you, and do you have some siblings? Yeah. Um, so I have a sister, um, 
she, I don't remember her. Yeah, we would tube together and stuff. It was kind of something that I just got hooked on and I had some buddies that were older than me and we would go out and, and wakeboard and it just kind of became an addiction, really. That's all it really was in the summer. And then it snowboarded in the winter, obviously. So, Do you remember, okay, and you may have just said this, I I, I may have just uh, missed it, but what, what year exactly was it that you started? Uh, so I was 13... That would have been 93, 92. 92, Okay, so you're spending all these summers, you're, you're riding up north in Minnesota. Um, you only have a four to five month window up there to ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you, how did you <laughs> excel your craft? Yeah, so first of all, I'm like crazy in, in a way, like obsessive compulsive in a, in a bit, so... So once I, um, so I rode every summer and that was just like, it picked it up. I sucked at it. I always sucked at it. I started competing. I had some friends. I, um, ended up, you know, I worked at a boat, boat place up there and somehow got connected with like the cool guys in, in our state and went to some of those INT events and just would get smoked, you know, like I didn't even know what tricks were and, and, um, uh, but that kind of hooked me and my, I want to say my senior year or my, it was my junior year, I, that summer, so it would have been the summer before I was a senior in high school, I had saved up some money, and I paid for a week to go to wakeboard camp, and I flew down to Florida, um, and I think Kyle Schmidt and Glenn, was it Glenn Fletcher, is his last name? From um, O-Town? Yeah. Right. They Glenn were Fletcher. They were coaches. They were coaches. So we were out. PJ um, Marks. Uh, yeah, PJ on the place. And uh, I think I learned, I, remember if I, remember, I used to brag about it way back in the day, but like 10 or 11 inverts in that week, uh, 360 switching regular and a 540 and just went home and was like so pumped. Like the best, I don't know, it was like a thousand bucks or something I spent back then to do that. And and then I moved to Florida two years later, so. So, so you were doing some amateur contests around that time as well? Yeah, I think I did like maybe three or four just randomly. How did you know that you were, um, at a level to compete pro? Um, so the transition really happened when I moved to Florida, moved here to go to school, uh, with the girl I was dating at the time we were, I was going to go to Arizona or California, but she found a school was cheaper down here and I started riding the cable. I had no money, had no job when I came down here. I was... Worked at one of those Halloween stores as, as the dude standing on the road waving the, you know, come buy a costume because it was October when we moved here. Were you, you were spinning the arrow? Yeah, it was, that was before that was, that was the thing, right? Where you did a dance. Like, no, I just stood there in 80 degree weather in this death costume that was eight feet tall and I had the big hand and I just did the, like, waved the hand the whole time. 80 so. degrees, but you forgot about the <laughs> extra 20 degrees of humidity here yeah. down in Florida. Standing in a black, like, full black costume. It was terrible, but... But yeah, I rode at uh, the cable park. Um, it was semi-affordable, and I mean, they had like one rail there, I think, at the time. It was you, pipe rail. You're talking about Ski Rickson? OWC. OWC. Oh, yeah. So, so she, she was going to college, and you were going to college here in Orlando. I waited a year. That's what got me in wakeboarding. I waited for residency. I had nothing to do besides work and ride, and that's all I did. And of course, you can imagine that relationship didn't last very long, because <laughs> I got addicted to wakeboarding, but... Um, yeah, I've learned, um, uh, I got scorpion on the first rally I tried 
um, full concussion, didn't know who I was. And then that was that, that was two months after we moved here. And then that whole next summer, I just learned air tricks, you know, and, and was hitting rails. And it was like, I had a buddy that moved down from Minnesota and every day we'd get back. He worked, he works like nights and I worked days. So we'd ride at different times. And every time we came back and be like, I learned this trick. And then he'd come back and tell me he learned that trick. And we kind of did that for a while. And, um, gosh, I don't know, maybe a year or two before I ended up going to Germany for a cable contest. Um, I'm kind of telling you the whole story here, actually. Yeah, it's all right. It's good. <laughs> um, but, you know, cable wasn't cool back then. So that was my first experience with something really legit, like really official. Um, you know, all the countries that were there. Everybody was tenting it. And there was all these parties, all these people. Like, I'm from Minnesota, man. Like, I've been in Florida for, I didn't see the ocean until I moved to Florida when I was 19, you know. And now I'm in Germany, like, at this cable park with all these different cultures. And it was just. I just thought that was so cool. I met one of my best friends there. And um, through that, I got connected to Mike Ferraro. And then we met Pat Pinacos because he was building rails for a pro tour. And I mean, that's all over the span of probably three years. And that's when I kind of got more into boat. So I didn't really get into the boat professional thing till like 2004. So, I mean, it was like a solid year of just learning tricks. I had an obsession with learning tricks both ways, switching regular and yeah, I just started competing. So within a year I was, you know, making finals. It was pretty, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. <laughs> so, so it was about 2004 that you started riding pro contests and w you said it was a year before that, that you moved to Orlando. So a year, so I moved to Orlando 2001, uh, by 2004, I didn't start riding boat officially till like the end of 2003, 2005, I did my first pro tour event and bombed first, first event. It was up in, uh, uh, what is it? Not like Altamont Springs. Um, like I was in a heat with Murray, like all these guys I watch videos of every day and I went out and I was good. I like could, I was killing it at home and I went out like first trick, like, switch Vulcan just ate it hard got up like did something wake to wake next trick just smoked again and I think he got like three falls before you're done back then so like got up turned around fell again and I was so frustrated I used to like have meltdowns back in the day and so I took that year off and just rode came back the next year which would that would have been 2005 um had an okay year and then 2006 boom, I, I made a final and I think I got third at nationals or second or something. And then that year I won Pan Am, which was 2005. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I started yeah. announcing wakeboard contests. My first one was nationals 2005 and I missed the Orlando contest cause I decided just to work at performance that year Yeah. instead of announcing they offered me the job in 05. And that was the Pan Am Games, which I believe you won. Yep. So that would have been the first. Was that the first one you? I, I didn't. I didn't announce the Pan Am Games that year. It was 2006. Was when I personally came on board to oh, announce okay. the King of Wake series. Yeah. Oh yeah, that happened after because that was the Triple Crown that 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 year before. Yep. Exactly. Yep. E exactly. Um, was there somebody that helped you get your foot in the door as a pro around those times? Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of a guy named Marcus Friedrich, it was this, uh, who worked with um, Mike Ferraro, 
Um, and they ran a coach, they coached out at OWC. They ran the boat out there. Um, I got in through them who, with a guy I now work with, a buddy of mine who was just a wakeboarder, who was really good friends with Marcus, um, to kind of help out, drive the boat for them. And basically what I did was I would sit in the boat when Ferraro would coach, um, like Chris Law, uh, um, gosh, who else was he coaching back then? Phil back then. And I would just listen. Um, those kids were way better on boat back then on, and doing like crazy technical stuff. And I would just listen to what he told them. And then when I ride, would ride, I would just kind of do what he said for those guys. And I, I rode with Chris Law those years and, and uh, picked it up pretty quick. So, um, so that was kind of the in. And then when I met Pat Pinacos and moved out to the projects, that's when it kind of solidified my uh, inclusion into wakeboarding. You've you've kind of been all over the place as far as as wakeboarding goes. A cable a boat rider turned cable rider when you moved to Florida. Yeah. Um, then you lived at the projects where you guys rode behind a jet ski most of the time. Yeah. And there was some wake riding there, I would assume. Yeah, we had Byerly's uh, two ten out there. So we, I mean, I rode personally. I rode three boat sets a day and two rail sets a day, rain or shine. Like Pat, you could ask Pat if you ever talked to him. Um, he used to have to wear his snowboard outfit to pull me. And I would go sit in a hot tub in between sets. Um, Even on the coldest of days. Coldest huh? of days. And I wouldn't just ride. I would be trying new stuff. It seems to me over the years you've been known more as a cable rider than anything else. What is it about the cable that's drawn you in so much? Well, I think the thing is when I moved here, I was... I'm pretty sheltered, I think. Um, really shy. Uh, I don't think you'd think I was a shy person, but um, now, but um, which I kind of still am. But but back then, I was extremely shy and didn't really put myself out there. Um, so, you know, I would meet all these guys, you know, Parks and Chad and and Ruck and and uh, Sean and all these guys, and you know, we got along. But I never really had the means or, or the, um, uh, you know, I didn't get out, put myself out there and like go hang out with those, that crew. So I kind of got a little bit in my zone where I only wrote at the projects and, you know, didn't, didn't get out with these dudes. So yeah, the, but what the cable did for me is, um, I could just go show up, ride. I didn't have to like bro down with anybody and i i only did that because i wasn't good at it and it was it was just always nervous so it was kind of like my area like my my um therapy in a way really you know to just kill time so what i was gonna say is that at that time though you guys had quite the crew at the projects right the p unit right yeah so you had pointless going on and and uh you know they were making their 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 movies and filming and you know they came out the projects all the time anyways you know right Pat, you know, Pat was the, the kind of the anchor for that, but yeah, we kind of created our own little crew out there and, um, we filmed each other and, and rode and goofed off and played a lot of Halo back then. Yeah. So it was, it was fun, man. It, it was crazy. We, we even had to think a little bit of, a a rivalry in a way, like in, in a, in the industry thing, you know, like, um, you know, Colin and I would always kind of 
through Pat, like Pat would kind of egg us on to compete against each other out of the projects. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It was like, you know, back then there were, there were guys who were the best at whatever they were doing, you know, and I was a part of that. So that was, that was exciting. Do you get to ride behind the boat at all anymore? You know, I rode for Nautiques for seven years. Um, and then the industry kind of got crazy there when the, um, you know, the finance world blew up, but so I lost my sponsorship then, um, partly due because I spent so much time international and cable and everything. Um, and that team is so strong and so, so large at the, at the time. So we, we were all making money. They had to make cuts, but, uh, I kind of took a pretty big step away from boat after that. I was around, I don't remember what year, maybe 2010. Um, I didn't have a boat. I mean, it's not that you need one. Everybody's got a boat here, which which wasn't the big deal. It's just I liked traveling international, and that's where cable was. And, you know, I was going to the Philippines every year. I was going to Thailand, to Europe, and and for me personally, that's that's my passion. It's called like different cultures and language, and and meeting these people all over the world. So I I that's a big reason why I hung in cable, and uh, but. So to answer your question, um, no, I don't ride that much boat anymore. Um, I have gotten a few sets out behind Danny's G, which is just like amazing that wake that they have on that boat now. And I've been behind the new Malibu boat, which has an insane wake. And it, you know, it's funny. I can go out now and do more than I could do when I was riding three, four times a day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You, you look at the, you look at the wakes these days and they've come so far along and you just think, what we had to work with, you know, eight years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, but then rewind the clock to 17 years ago, Yeah, you know, before, before people were even using a, a Skyline or a, an extended pylon or putting extra weight in the boat. I mean, yeah, heck, I remember when they were doing pro tour contests behind a jet ski. Yeah. So doing air tricks and stuff. Yeah. Dude. Uh, what, I don't know what boat you rode behind first, but um, I rode behind the first boat I ever wakeboard behind was uh, my personal boat was a uh, an eight foot inflatable with a ten horsepower uh, Honda, and it had this like kind of it looks like what a tower is now on the back. I don't know why it was there, but you know this thing that attached to it, so it had a hard bottom and then inflatable sides. And uh, we would tie the rope to that and rode like uh, an O'Brien Sparky, so a directional board. And uh, I always wanted that board. <laughs> it, was, it was cool with sandals, right? Like your foot would slide around. Thing weighed like, you know, 50 pounds. But And then we, I, I had bought some how-to movie and was doing 180s and spinning around an old lane with the handle and all this, this kooky stuff and trying to jump the wake behind a thing. And there was no wake. I mean, it was just you know, stirred up water, but that was our deal. And we would legitimately take buckets and pour them in the boat thinking we're going to get a bigger wake. So yeah, these kids got it good nowadays. That's for sure. Quick break in the action, guys. I want to mention Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida. If you're not familiar with Performance Ski and Surf, you should be. Wakeboards, skates, surfers, and skis, along with all the accessories, New and closeout models are always available. Right now, they have a huge selection of winter gear from snowboards to anything you need to get on the mountain this winter. 
Plenty of deals to be had, and since the weather's a bit cold right now, mention my name and the Golden Mike podcast when you stop in or order online for a special 15% off all wetsuits until March 15th, 2015. Check them out next time you visit Orlando or online at perfski.com. Thanks again to Performance Ski and Surf for their generous support. Now back to the Golden Mike podcast with Keith Lidberg. You've been with uh, a handful of companies throughout your career. You've been through a lot of highs and lows, but currently you're with uh, Control Wakeboards. Can you timeline some of the other brands that you've represented at one time or another? Yeah, well, I have a lot more than most. Um, I used to consider it a curse, and now it's it's you know it's kind of got me to where I am now in life, and I'm really thankful for that experience. But uh, I started out with a startup company, Joyride, um, way back in the day. I think Matt Staker got me on that program. Um, that was a short-lived deal. It was I couldn't even honestly tell you the guys' names that ran it, but uh, did that for maybe a season. Um, and then jumped up to double up, double up wakeboards, uh, was a company, you know, Greg Nelson, I believe started that back in the day. And then he, I think sold it. And the guy he sold it to is who was running it when I had it or when I was a part of that team, um, with the guy, Mike Litzner, I think his last name was, um, who he started hardline, I think back in the day. Uh, anyway, um, rode with them for a while. That company got sold. Uh, dismantled that was two years into that so I had to find another sponsor and um, I jumped to gator boards and that's where things really started to take off because you know ultimately in the sport the way you kind of get out there is you you have to be with companies that are, are supporting the industry to get to get exposure so you know he was he was doing a good good job of uh, supporting um, supporting the wake mags and and advertising and uh, they did that video transgression. Um, so that was fun. I mean, that was an eclectic team. You know, I was on a team with the Vandal um, and traveled with him and filmed with him, which like, I mean, that's that right there, I guess, is an accomplishment. You know, that's even more so than riding contests. But, you know, with him and, um, gosh, these guys are going to kill me. I don't remember the whole team. I mean, we were talking about Wes earlier, you know. Sure, like Wes Briscoe. Yeah, um, I think I can remember a couple of names. Let me throw some at you. You ready for it? Um, You had Wes Briscoe. You had Brandon Meek at one time. You had Drew McGuckin. You had Matt Manzari. You had Ryan Doyle. Yep. um, Leslie Kent. Oh, yeah, Leslie. She was, yeah, she, I was on after she was on, I think. Buster Lukert. Yep. Gator's sister. Yep. Was on the team. Um... Other riders, other riders. At well, this guy's name escapes me. Uh, California, um, rides with Ricky Vandal. G. Ricky G. Yeah, Ricky Gonzalez. Yep. Kyle Rattray. Kyle Rattray. Yeah, that was a that was a good team. Uh, Kyle Murphy. Kyle Alberts. Yeah, yeah. We we're talking about him earlier. So it was wild. Mark, uh, what's Michael? Michael. Sure, yeah, he's a good dude. Indiana guy, another Midwesterner. Yep, yep. Cool style. He was a good dude. Tyler Killingsworth was another one, I believe, out of Cali. I don't know if you remember. He's the guy that did the Rayleigh and landed on the log, busted his head. He's still around. And Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I don't I remember. I think he was on Gator. I'm, I'm, I may be wrong. Maybe. I've got one more for you. Dreadlocks. Dave. Oh. From Portland, I think. Yeah, I never met him. That was before me, too. 
Um, Gator had been around a couple years before that. So, but yeah, like I said, it's crazy team. It was fun team. We were getting tons of momentum. It was, it was a good time. You know, we were rivaling Hyperlight, like, you know, that's that dream team back then. I think you got a poster up here. I do. With, with the crew. Um, and then ultimately that just, you know, the, the industry's tough, you know, and we went through some things and, um, you know, bounced from, from Gator to, uh, J-Star, which was another short lived experience. I think that was another two years. And then, um, at the end of that, we made a conscious decision. I partnered up with who was running the company at the time, Brett, um, Mr. Hagen, and we co-found, or, you know, I co-founded Control Wakeboards, what we do now. So that was 2010. You actually retired about two years ago from competitive wakeboarding. Mm-hmm. Why did you, why did you um, retire? Was it so that you could step more into the, uh, uh, manufacturing side of things? No, I wish, I wish it was a little bit more, um, strategic than it was, uh, for sure. But, um, you know, as I had some personal, I think some animosity to the sport, you know, I was, I felt, I felt a little bit like, you know, I was getting, I just didn't like the way I was as a, as an athlete, as a person, um, the way I was kind of reacting to the changes in the sport, I didn't like the direction that a lot of it was going to be completely frank with you. Um, so that was the attitude, the mindset part of it that kind of got me out. Um, and then the real, I think a lot of it was, you know, I had, um, really bad and still do, um, tendonitis in my right knee. So I never blew my knee and never had a knee injury. Um, it was just wear and tear, poor health, I think stress a lot of inflammation in my knee and I just couldn't overcome it. You know, I, I didn't know anything about fitness. I wasn't taking care of my body and I physically, I got to the point, uh, I was right before uh, wake of fame, um, where I could legitimately not Ollie. And that's when it got real heavy. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't do an Ollie. It hurt too bad. Um, so I was getting injections and doing, you know, anything or anything, you know, which obviously now I know wasn't the right stuff, but to try to stay on the water and just finally, I just like, I can't do this anymore. So, so yeah, I backed out and, um, it was been a tough couple of years to swallow that pill. Cause like any, anybody who's successful in, in any sport, you're, you're there for a reason and you're competitive and by nature and, um, you do that your whole life. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you don't get to show off anymore. It's, it was tough. So, so yeah, that's, that's why I bailed. You said you're a co-founder of the brand control wakeboards. What else is your role within that company? Yeah. So it's evolved. I mean, originally, uh, it was more of a direction of, uh, shapes, you know, shape, shape of the product, uh, of the boards, shaping bindings. And, you know, that was a collective uh, experience, but that's kind of how I started. So more of the athlete face of it, um, back in 2010 and, um, and then it's evolved to where it is now, where basically, um, I, I run North American sales. Um, so it's just reaching out to dealers and, and trying to, to get the, the board out and get the word out, um, through our dealer network and, and grow that. And then, also managing uh, 
what we can in marketing with with little to no uh, marketing budget. So, um, yeah, kind of dual role and and do what I doing what I can with with what we have and growing the brand, which which is uh, an experience, but a lot of fun. Now the brand was more directed towards cable riding at first, correct? Yeah. So the idea behind the brand was we saw cable and, you know, obviously myself coming from cable, um, we saw that as future. And I really do believe that that's what's going to keep wakeboarding alive as we move into the future, because it's more accessible to people that otherwise wouldn't be able to wakeboard. Um, but we really wanted to have the stamp on being the first brand committed to cable wakeboarding, building boards for that style of riding park riding, basically. Um, and we understood, uh, that, that world quite a bit better, I think, than the other brands at the time. Um, and then as, as we've evolved and the sports evolved, we've, we've branched off to, I mean, we make wakeboards too. So it's, it's always, but, um, we've kind of diversified and, and brought in the boat side as well. And then we work to bring in more like you see with other brands, more, more aspects of products. So yeah, you guys have a pretty unique, um, feature. Those fin, I was reading up about it, these special fins that you guys have that actually retract into the board. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that idea originally came from, I mean, if you look at, I mean, even still, you, know, you buy a wakeboard, uh, any wakeboard with fins and most people, park riders don't ride fins anymore. That right. that's pretty much phased out. But when we started, that was still, you know, there were still molded fin cable riders, you know, uh, myself included. But uh, yeah, those fins, you hit an obstacle, they would break off because it's just two screws through the board. And that's all that was holding the fin, these two little tiny, tiny screws. So uh, we basically wanted to do something that made sense. It wasn't gimmicky that uh, served two purposes. One is it would have uh, two one inch kind of thicker um wider pieces that would go up into the board. So if you had any side impact, the, the fin wouldn't break off, um, which we tested and, and, and we used uh, like plastic material that, that holds up and can wear down. And yeah, so basically we built a fin to not break on obstacles at a wake park. And then the second part of it is we made it adjustable forward and back um, because there is, you have, now you have the ability to customize uh, your style of riding. So the way you like to edge, if you want the board to be uh, a loose ride or a more, or to hold its edge for like air tricks. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in Europe that still do air tricks. Um, and then even in cable, there was guys doing toe side air tricks, which is quite a bit different than toe side wake to wake because you have to lean in this really awkward position to get down and cut, put enough pressure on the cable to fling yourself in the air. So we figured out if you move the fin closer to your toe, you could hold your edge a lot easier without having to get way back on your tail, which, you know, uh, I figured out is why my knee's so bad because I used to do a lot of toe side tricks and, and be in that goofy position. But so, yeah, that's that's where we came up with that. Last fall at the National Points Chase Finals at Hydrus Wake Park, you came out of retirement to compete in the <laughs> Masters division. You won. Was that spur of the moment or you had that planned out no i was there to we sponsored the event um we part of the points chase i think we want to support that that grassroots um blake has done such a good job with that and then he partnered up with pat and you know we really believe in cable like i had said so um 
you know, we supported that event. I, I drove out my family's, uh, my sister lives out there. So it's just down the road from the cable park. So I took it as an opportunity to visit family and, and, uh, represent control and, and just get some love out there and just go see what, what's kind of going on on that level of wakeboarding. Cause I haven't, I don't get the chance to travel as much as some of the other guys. So, um, Blake had asked me to compete and I was like, man, like I quite literally had only ridden, I think that year four times last year on cable and then maybe four or five times the year before. So I was, there was no way I was going to ride pro. Um, I had just taken like a set the day before and I was feeling like, oh yeah, this is fun. And, 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 uh, I said, yeah, I'll ride. I mean, I'll ride masters, whatever. Like, you know, I'm not here to do this. And you rode well. Yeah. And then, you know, like it was like getting on a bicycle. I got, I got on the water and it's just like that competitive thing took over. And next thing you know, I'm like pushing myself and doing tricks that I hadn't planned on doing. Wrapping and, up for a back mob. Yeah. 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 Something I was working on before I bailed. Hey, I've been following your blog at keithlidberg.com and I recommend to the listeners that they do so as well. Once again, that's keithlidberg.com. And to me, it looks like you've fully come out of retirement and have some major goals set for this up- upcoming season. I saw on the site that you have a list of old tricks that you want to get back and some new moves that you're working on. How's all that going? Yeah, so... Oh, it's crazy. I think I'm into my fifth week. Um, I went through some kind of life changes here just before the end of the year and got just super into um, uh, personal and professional growth and development and set some pretty big gnarly goals. Um, And this is one of them. I want to compete again. And I know to do that, I'm going to have to be on a pretty, pretty aggressive schedule if you will to get to where these guys are because i only ride once or twice a week um so i'm kind of relying on my just basically talent and and willpower but i created this blog to kind of hold myself accountable um put these tricks up there so people know what i'm doing so i can't back out and yeah it's 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 going um uh i'm at a bit now where i'm physically i need to step up my physical game to to be able to take those landings um but I mean, to my surprise, like I've got this double flip down already. Um, you know, I stuck that, I think the second day I was out and, you know, I do a few every time I go out now. Um, I'm working on like some of these double grab tricks and getting there. I, I need some more strength, but we're making there. I'm, I'm not totally like nervous yet. Um, that list right there is my January, February list. So I've got still, I think what, three more weeks. Um, to get after it. <laughs> I got, Hey, I got to ask you this. I was talking with Josh Wright from revolution cable park a little bit earlier today over the phone. And he, I told him that we were doing the interview tonight and he's like, all right, well make sure you ask Keith if he plans to ride cable nationals this year and make <laughs> sure to remind him that he needs to ride masters. Cause Josh says he wants to go at you. Yeah. I think I had Josh in one of my heats this, this, I think he was in one of the heats this last this last nationals, wasn't he? At the points chase. Yeah. 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 He, he Well, he's the two-time cable masters national champion. Oh, so, he is. And yes. I, totally, I totally stole his throne. No, no, no. You stole his throne at the points chase. He's talking about... The real nationals. Yeah, the WWA the, nationals. Ah, okay. Well, the points, the, the points the pro- chase... The points chase is a nationals, but it's a... It's a little bit of a different... It's, it's the 
top riders from cables from all around the country. I think right. like 18 or 19 cable parks fed into the points chase right. event. And then the WWA national championships. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a different series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, geez, you need to call me out like that. Like, I just want to ride one more contest, man. Like, I and I don't know. I I don't mean to. I don't want to put myself out there yet. But um, I think if I'm going to be riding anything around nationals, I, I, it's not going to be masters. So he might he might get to. Hold on to his, his three-time national championship there. Just so you know, I am not calling you out right now, <laughs> but watching you ride in the Masters division at the National Points Chase final, yeah, I was in my head maybe calling you a little bit of a sandbagger. The only thing that got you through me calling you a full-on sandbagger is the fact that yeah, I had heard that it was literally your fourth time riding for yeah. the year. Yeah, mentally, I didn't. I mean, you forget, man, I hadn't ridden in two years, like consistently and, and I had been in so much pain. Um, and honestly it was like, yeah, I kind of felt bad afterwards. Maybe I shouldn't have rode masters in hindsight, but, but it, it you know, whatever it was, it was fun. And, and, uh, um, it sparked this whole kind of like, let's get back into this. You still have some, some ability apparently. So I'm kind of just messing around with you about that event. You talk about you want to come back for one event. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been seeing on social media a bunch hashtag road to fees. Yeah. Can can you talk a little bit about the story behind that? Yeah. So like I I'll reference just back in this earlier in the interview. Um, you know I love traveling. I love to go international. Um, this road to fees is actually a two part goal. I haven't talked about the second part of the goal, but. Um, that's a, also an event. It's kind of like a newer version of, uh, the old wake stock event that I've won twice and I've gotten second at the other two times. So four years I podiumed, um, such a fun event for me. I love France. Uh, it was always a, a kind of a sketchier setup, which is right in my wheelhouse, you know, like something that you kind of, you get to finals, like you get better as you go through the event and you get to finals and you do something that nobody tried the whole event. Like that's that kind of contest. So um, part A is just to get to that. I, I had such a good time there and, and I kind of set my sights as like, that's a good time of year to, to compete. It had just, just kind of the right time and it's always in May. So, um, yeah, I just was excited to kind of get back to that event and reconnect with those guys. I hadn't been there, I think in three years. And then, um, the second part of that is I'm actually going to stay in France for the two and a half years because, or two and a half months after, um, because the second part of the goal is to be conversational in French. So, um, I've studied French on and off in my history here. I've studied some French in my day also, mostly the kissing department. But. <laughs> yeah, I think we all, we've all got a little practice there. So, so I want to carry that into Paris and, and, uh, um, that's really the big holy, holy moly goal right there. Well, very cool. So, so did you just debut part two of your plan on the Golden Mike podcast? I think I did. You just got it. All right. There Appreciate you go. It. We're going to have to, we'll have to really just blow this up on social media yeah maybe we'll we'll do uh we'll do part two you'll have to come to paris we'll do this there we oui, we oui. <laughs> so two tower parks are popping up like crazy these days and one that is gaining so much notoriety over the past couple of months is henshaw's area 52 i noticed that's where you've been doing a lot of your riding can you talk a little bit about the setup yeah so for those of you that 
don't know if you're under a rock. Kevin Henshaw is a good buddy of mine. He um, uh, we met back at the projects when he was just a just just a wee little baby, getting wakeboarding. He um last year he bought a piece of property um just out west of Claremont here in in uh, Central Florida, and dug himself a private uh, system two lake and spent all last year building basically his dream, um, with a stair set and a kick, you know, like a full on like wakeboard heaven <laughs> for, for guys like us who, who are into hitting rails and, and doing stunts. So, um, yeah. And it just, I think, uh, we just started riding there just over the past few months. Um, and I kind of hooked up with Kevin. I live out at Kevin's now temporarily and, uh, we spend some time out there filming and, and, uh, building new stuff and, and, uh, yeah, just basically doing what wakeboarders should be doing is having fun and, and, and pushing ourselves. So it's, uh, it's a really, really cool place. So you're living over at Hotel Henny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more sophisticated than it used to be. Um, you know, Kevin and his girlfriend upstairs, and then I kind of run the run the downstairs. He's got a little bit of an apartment down there, so it's just three of us. Oh, okay, so he doesn't have a, so so he's got some vacancy. Yeah, so there's vacancy, uh, but uh, you know we, we have a little get-togethers every now and then, so there's plenty of beds, so that nobody's driving home. Yeah, I, Henshaw's been known to throw some some parties. I'm I'm yeah. definitely gonna have him here on the Golden Mike. Hey, check this out. I was surfing AllianceWake.com recently. And saw an edit called Stairs by Jake Snyder Films starring Kevin Henshaw. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I was impressed. I liked it. But when I scrolled to the bottom of the page, (laughs) well, as my girl Taylor Swift would say, (laughs) haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. For some reason, critics are just calling Henshaw out. Yeah. What's that all about? I, I saw that you were actually on there calling the haters out. Yeah. You know, and I've been completely guilty of this in the past like you get you know ultimately what what i've learned is um somebody does something extraordinary or amazing it's really easy to to criticize because ultimately don't we all want to kind of have our own cable park in our backyard and be doing really cool stuff and playing all day and and you know so i kind of uh i guess i could say i empathize a little bit with some of the some of the critics if you want to call them um it's it sucks that, that they get bummed out on, on something that is really cool. And, you know, what that video doesn't show is how, you know, what it took to build that place, not only in cost, but personal. I mean, Kevin didn't ride for a year, you know, and he's, he's a full on professional athlete right now. Um, where, you know, I'm not like I, I sell wakeboards now and I just do this as a hobby really. Um, but this guy took a year of his life off and committed a lot of, lot of money um and effort to build this place and he didn't just build some sketchy place like if you drive out there it's it's manicured it's beautiful and that stair set's arguably the biggest stair set wakeboarding's ever seen and you don't you can't really tell from the footage the video footage you go stand on that thing we just had the whole crew of alliance come out um over surf expo in january and you know these guys have seen the video and you know, they know what's up. They see all the stuff from the entire industry. But when they were out and standing on it, you know, I mean, 
we can't just have people over hit that thing. That's how sketchy it is. <laughs> it's a big deal. Well, my favorite part about the uh, whole banter on Alliance is you inviting the haters to come and ride with you guys. Yeah, put your, put the money where your mouth is, man. Like, I get it. You you know, you're probably sitting somewhere. You, you know, it's cold and and you wish you were wakeboarding and and it's frustrating to see like this this awesomeness going down. But if you're gonna have a bad attitude, like. I welcome that because I want to change your mind and I want to change your attitude to show you that at the end of the day, we're all just trying to have a good time and, and have fun. And, and this isn't about us being cooler or better than anybody else. It's about living our passions. And I, I don't think that we really need to be negative about that. And I, I, I do a little bit of lighthearted banter about it because I don't like people talking trash about stuff that they're, you know, that ultimately I think they'd like to be a part of. So we just went ahead and invite them out. And if they're welcome to, they're welcome to come out. And have you heard from any of these guys? Of course not. Come on now. Bob says, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, like put your real name on there. Come on, man. We all want to be friends. I like all these guys, and and I'm willing to let these guys kind of redeem them, redeem themselves as well. You know what? At the end of the day, any any kind of uh, if people are talking about you, it's good for you, yeah. even if it's in a bad way. Yeah. Because we all know that you guys are actually doing a good thing. So yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so, Keith, a few years back, you successfully conquered one of the gnarliest, well, well, all I can call it is stunts <laughs> that I've ever seen. You yeah. Were, you were photographed jibbing just a huge stair set. Do you remember the shot, and can you tell me a little bit more about that setup? Yeah, so I got a call from from a good friend of mine, uh, Riley, Bang Riley Banger, um, who's done some photography and wakeboarding. He's, he lives out there in Sacramento. Um, and he had this handrail, uh, that kind of basically when people kayak or, or, uh, river rafts down on this river, um, into Lake Folsom in California, there's a, there's a parking lot with a handrail where they can pull off to the side, get out, walk up to the parking lot, get their, get their raft or whatever and everything out right there. Um, and in certain time of the year, or usually earlier in the year, the water's high enough that it comes up to the bottom step. Um, and he had been apparently going around asking guys, rail riders, quote unquote, to uh, come out and hit this thing. And, and everybody said no. And I was the one guy who said yes. And coincidentally, I was the last guy he asked. Um, so I drove out or I flew out to California and... Um, uh, yeah, we had this thing set up by the help of uh, Jarrett Brantley. I don't know if you know who Jarrett is, but he he also took some wax at this thing as well. But uh, it was by far the sketchiest thing I've ever done. I've done a lot of sketchy stuff in, in my uh, career. We had a pool that was way too short. We had a winch uh, tied down to a boat that was anchored just off the stairs and um just i mean down it was a triple it was a what double kink with three sets of stairs um and the sketchy thing was you couldn't get enough speed to get to the rail or to do feel comfortable at your ollie uh the second sketchy part was you couldn't see the rail because the the pool was i mean it was that you know as high as this this deal here so it was like you didn't see the rail until you were at the rail and there's no out. You don't get to like throw the rope and, and you know, like ride down. And you be, couldn't second guess yourself. No, you're committed every time. 
So uh, I don't remember if I guinea pigged it or if Jarrett did. I know we swapped. So I want to say he actually, because he set this up. Like he really went and set this up, you know, and he wanted to get some love too. So I think he went first and he didn't have as much luck as I did. I mean, I had bad luck too, but, you know, he slipped out a few times. He rode that stair set on his back. He rode the other side, and and I don't know if you could see in the photo, but that's hard ground with jagged rocks sticking out, and the water at the end was only three inches deep, um, with jagged rocks. So <laughs> there's a lot of consequence. So I I hit that thing. He hit it like three or four times, just couldn't couldn't get on it. Um, and then I hit it three times. The first two, I was trying to gap to the second one, and realized at the rail at point of ollie i wasn't going to make it so i'd quick jump to the rail so i'd slide off that first kink and then ride that last stair set well on the third time i'm like i'm going to get to that second one sketched out got on early slipped out and i didn't make it to that last stair set and i hit the flat on my tail and it slammed my foot down so hard i i hit my heel and bruised my heel looked like i had a golf golf ball on my heel but i'd flown out there spent money to get there and, and hit this thing the sun was just about to go behind the trees and i was like no i got one more hit and on the last hit i just said okay i'll commit to riding the whole rail and uh, i came in switch volley board slid that whole thing stuck it landed it like so pumped just as the sun went down um took about 10 minutes to get my binding off because my my heel was so bad, but that, yeah, that cost me six months right there just from a bruised heel. <laughs> was it legit? Yeah. I mean, nobody's done anything like that since. Okay. The reason I'm asking that <laughs> is because I heard a rumor that you, your personal motto is you have to hit something three times in a row before it's legit. Yeah. So, so I used my, yeah, that was my go-to. Like a lot of people say, Oh, I do this trick or I do that trick. And I always used to say, no, you didn't like, until you've done three in a row, you can't say that you can do a trick. What right? about what about the Parks Bonifay 1080? Okay, I mean, well, first of all, you're Parks Bonifay. Second of all, you're doing something that's never been done. So, like this rail hit, I only did it once, but nobody's done it before or since. So, I mean, I guess we can. There's there's some uh, exceptions to the rule, maybe here. <laughs> five real quick questions, five quick answers. You ready? Boom. Worst place to visit. <laughs> Worst place to visit. Oh my gosh. Let me come back to that. Okay, number two. Best place to get dinner. <sighs> Best place to get dinner. Um, there's a little sushi restaurant just off of OBT called the Sushi House. First place I've ever had sushi. And still to this day, the best best sushi place I've ever been. First place I've ever had sushi too. Yeah? Yep. The year was like 2005. Darren Shapiro. Yeah, I heard Darren. That was Darren's spot. Yep. I'm a late bloomer. He also likes the Amura over here by by my house. Yeah, I I hit or miss with me on that one, but. Number three, you ready? Yep. Wakeboarder with the worst hygiene. That I know. Um, man, see these, this is a toss up. This is between, I would say, and I can be totally wrong. It's, sometimes it's just how he looks. Um, back in my day, I would have to say probably parks or there's the Australians. Now these young Australians, it looks like they don't take showers for 
like since I used to wakeboard and competitively, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Who's the best travel mate? The best travel mate would be, um, honestly, he's not, he never quite made it in, in, in professional wakeboarding. The listeners, listeners aren't probably going to know him, but, uh, French Paul by far. Paul uh, Hernandez. Paul Hernandez. The, the, he's, uh, everybody here in Orlando knows French Paul. Um, if you ever get a chance to bump into him, he's now, he's now almost a pro golfer, but, um, he's by far the most fun to travel with. He'd probably be a really good tennis player too. He was, we used to play tennis together. I, I actually just rode with French Paul to New Smyrna Beach two weekends ago to watch Eric Ruck uh, and his band, The Stereotype. No way. Yeah. I bet that was a fun drive. It was an awesome drive. <laughs> Did you listen to Eminem on the, on the drive? No, we talked. Oh, good. We, we had great conversation. Good. We good. talked about, he, you know, he's got a girlfriend, so mm-hmm. he was telling me the hot spots to go pick up ladies. Because <laughs> he knows. Well, <laughs> also... I'm not going to lie. I've had this infatuation with South American ladies for the last, I don't know, year and a half or so. And he's like, oh, if you want the best South American ladies, you got to go to this spot at Point Orlando. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's Your right. name was in there. I bet it was. I, I think I know what he's talking about. Absolutely. What What is that place called? Come on, because we're going. Cuba Libre. Cuba yeah. Libre. Yeah, that's where, it's where my, my ex and I just... Uh, we connected for the first time. So yeah, yeah, that's the spot. Well, that's, that's, that's going to be my spot this Saturday night. Dude, let's do anybody's it. anybody's interested. Let's do it. Hey, I want to thank you so much, Keith, for sitting down here and catching up with me tonight and obviously a little dinner beforehand. But before we finish, I want to give you a few moments to, to go ahead and plug your sponsors or social media or just anything. Yeah, um, obviously, like controlwake.com. Um we're we're working hard to to grow the brand and and uh, we're really passionate about the product we build and and uh, just so everybody knows it's it's a small brand I know it may appear to be quite a bit larger it's just two of us and and uh, we love your support we love your feedback and you know follow us uh, at Control Wake on social media uh, that goes for Twitter Instagram Facebook um, I recently hooked up with Follow I think you know who Follow is um, out of Australia. Uh, rope and handle brand and they're getting into vests and all that thing. I, I support those guys. They're doing a good thing and, and I like, uh, I like their vision. So I'm helping try to help those guys out a little bit as well. Yeah, uh, I've got the turtle handle. Yeah. Yeah. That thing's sick. So, um, so those guys, and then, uh, my personal social media at Keith Lidberg, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and yeah, if, if, if you're interested in, uh, fitness and health and, and just healthy lifestyle you know i'm i do this blog the road to fees uh keithlibrig.com that's a weekly post but uh, ultimately that'll evolve into you know more more just lifestyle um you know how to how to just be better at life you know take care of yourself all those things i wish i would have known when i was in my young 20s well just so you know if you just type in your name on google there's like 75 pages <laughs> so there's plenty of uh of back content that you can post back up on those blogs yeah yeah so if i get lazy when i'm in paris or or uh, caught up in those burlesque shows i'll make sure to to rely on that old content for sure yeah and, and send some of those stories our way would you oh no problem <laughs> very cool well there it is folks keith lidberg the tell-all story 
Now hang tight. We'll be right back with some closing thoughts here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrose on Instagram at Woodrose or check them out online at Woodrose.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com. I was so glad Keith was able to make time for us today, and we wish him the best as he moves forward into the 2015 season. I recommend everyone follow his blog at KeithLidberg.com. No matter how Keith does in competition this year, I think he's a guy who can help get people motivated. He knows at 30-something years old, it won't be easy to compete with the Young Bucks today, but he's going to do it anyways. What I think sets Keith apart is his mindset. He isn't just interested in doing his best, he's committed. I think all competitors should be on the lookout this year because Keith Lidberg may be the most under-the-radar, on-the-radar athlete today. The way I see it, he has nothing to lose but everything to win. So good luck to you again, Mr. Lidberg. Remember, new episodes of the Golden Mike Podcast post the first and third Wednesday of each and every month. Please be sure to give them all a listen and don't forget to check out all the past episodes. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. This show is for you, the fans, so become a part of it by getting in touch with me anytime through email at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or you can message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Before we go, a few shout-outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, PerfSki.com, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, Keith Lidberg, and that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again for listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Alamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.